<clears throat> Welcome to my couples therapy session. <laughs> couples therapy session. With Denise. This is the marriage no. On my right. Todd on my left. The marriage episode. I'm terrified. I didn't know this was the marriage episode. No, it's not. We get to talk about... But you are married, so this makes it a marriage we episode. We are married, yes. Yeah, okay. We do get asked a lot of questions about, hey, how do you operate as a married couple in business? Yeah. How do you organize things? How do you communicate? I think one of the biggest things that you've helped me work through or helped me understand is shedding the spirit of poverty, which you named. I didn't come up with that name, but I really like that name, so I'm going to claim it as my own for now on. Thank you for that. And you're married to me, so you don't have a choice. You don't. I don't have to give you credit. What's his is yours. What's yours is his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and and really what that means and why... Why it's such a big deal that people pe- people struggle moving from, uh, you know, a, a, a space that they don't even necessarily think they're in poverty to being able to thrive. So, I think first we would need to define what that what does that actually mean. What is the spirit of poverty? Right. So it's a mindset, basically. Um, it could it could be it could come up. It's a having a lack mindset about things based on how you've grown up or how you were raised or uh things that have happened to you or that sort of thing does that make sense how did you become aware of it though uh we got married and you had all these really big aspirations (laughs) and i came from uh originally the ghetto of akron most people don't know that. Even in high school, they didn't know that I came from there. My mom moved from moved five kids to then Uniontown, and we lived there, and that's where we met in first grade. Uh, <laughs> my husband, and then um, then and, we I lo- moved- and I loved you right away. You did. And you wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> Yes. And, and it took you, you how many years? And then you moved away in like fourth or fifth grade. No no smoke signal, no text message, there was no phone sign. <laughs> no pigeon? No, no pigeon. Yeah, no nothing. Um, and then So I was calculating this morning. I wrote down how many times I've actually moved in my life. And that's between seventeen different locations and twenty two times total. And so I think I've come from literally the ghetto it was really it's really a bad it was a bad area like there's a strip club down the street there was a a like little supermarket in our backyard um and then slowly like each house we moved to got a little bit better and better as my mom (laughs) uh, my mom as she uh, made the decisions that she had to make and so um yeah, I don't know. Did that answer your question? And she did it with five kids, which is Yeah, impressive. she did it with five kids, which was... I don't... Like, looking back, I have so much grace and mercy for her because um, she knew that it was the right decision, though it wasn't an easy one. Um, that actually... I would have been I would have been stuck in in the ghetto of Akron in a, in a house full of veterans. Um because we, we lived in a house full of, of veterans with all kinds of issues. Yeah, it's kind of wild to think of. <clears throat> well, I think the the reason that's important is to recognize you physically, like a lot of people may physically move, but they never mentally transition out of it. Yeah, so I was stuck for a long time in different areas. Um, Do you mean mentally or physically? Men- mentally. Um where I didn't believe that um, we were capable, like one, that I was capable, or two, that um, that it was something that God would have for me. Keep it together. Yeah. Uh, so no, you're fine. You're fine. Well, what you taught me in that, because I never, I never experienced that. Mm-hmm. We always make the joke that I had a golden childhood. He did have a golden childhood. Yeah. So 
since I had a golden childhood, I never really, I always had, well, as you mentioned, I always had a lot of aspirations. I had big goals. I had, I was always working towards something and I always saw them as not only believable, but uh, possible Mm -hmm. and not even just possible, likely. Mm -hmm. So when I would be working towards things like that, one of the things that you taught me in this is say I was working with somebody else to help them through something and be like, hey, you can go from this stage to this stage, you know, financially or in business very quickly by just doing this. But they would struggle somewhere and be like, well, what? just do this. Just take this physical step. And then you would remind me, well, they are taking the physical step, but mentally they haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, they haven't yet. That's why they're remaining the same in the way and the pain that they are because they're more used to this chaos and pain. That's actually where they thrive versus in peace. So you had to learn how to mm-hmm. accept peace into your life. Yeah. It's, um, when you're talking about money, like, and not having enough money, that side, um, you just know to work more. Like that's what you're taught. Work more and then you'll have more. Trade more time. Yeah. Have more money. So. You've overcome that. Yeah. Not to the same degree, but definitely. What do you mean not to the same degree? I feel like, like the same thing we talk, joke about how I overcame a lot because of you, like being able to watch you. Same thing with her. Where like I watched you go through that. Mm -hmm. And so it made it a lot easier for me to progress through learning that I don't have to trade all of my time for money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I gave up a lot too um to do what we're doing now a lot of people don't recognize that um when god calls you to something you don't like you you there's stuff that you give up in order to move forward or that you leave behind you know yeah you have to let go of things that aren't for you like do you want to give an example of that you when you talk about like leaving good for great i mean i had a great job i was you made way more than me i did i did (laughs) yeah we don't talk Um, about how they had a single income household for a moment yeah oh yeah well yeah when when the business was first getting off yeah oh yeah i now some people know more about my story now from previous episodes and understanding that yeah i was trying to figure out like where lunch was coming from but after her and i got together even after that point like i was still trying to get the critical mass of the business moving so we got to a point where we were living completely off of what yeah. she was making in the beginning. Yeah. What was your job at the time? I was a systems engineer. Okay. For a software company. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then we had Wyatt and I knew that that what I wanted for my family, the vision that I had for my family or what I really wanted, that my lifestyle would have to change and I would have to change and, and drastically in order for me to to have what to have those things i had to get better yeah well you used to sleep in the parking lot of your old job and then just go oh, back yeah. in the next day cause you that was that, a li- that was yeah that was the real i mean i would work 16 hour days 18 hour days because they were a startup company and um they were transitioning buildings and looking back on that i'm like i would never do that ever again yeah <laughs> like that was terrible and i was the only one doing it like nobody else was doing it yeah like i they they literally said oh you can actually instead of sleep in the parking lot you can come and sleep in the room just bring your pillow and i was like looking, looking back on that i'm like wow like that's that's not healthy <laughs> yeah, recognizing that that wasn't the uh life you were looking for long term but no. at the time you had you had lived in different situations and places yeah and you so had i was like I'm, I'm gonna do what it takes i'm gonna do what it takes to get you know like to get this to where it needs to be but i i really that was for somebody else's vision and that was like i don't want to do that any, i don't want to build somebody else's vision anymore yeah so how long did you work there before you started to recognize that I remember going into work one day and a woman said to me, we're here to heal the sick, raise the dead and cast out demons. And I turned to her and I looked at her and it was a verse that I read the day before. And I looked at her and I was like, what did you just say to me? And that was about the time where I was like, just really seeking the Lord on like what it is that I need to be doing and where I like, he was doing, uh, you know, the, the real estate stuff and 
I just knew it wasn't what I wanted anymore. Like, and I wanted to, to have purpose and meaning more than just coming in and earning money. So when you quit that job and you, that was your last job before you were just staying at home, right? Uh, yeah, because I, I left that job. Yeah. Went to the software company. Okay. Um, and then went back to that job because they offered me more money, which was not worth it. But good learning experience. Was it hard to leave when you were like done altogether? Was it hard to leave the yeah. second time? Yes. No. Okay. I remember like coming home and being like, I don't understand why they function like this anymore. And so I was like, I don't want to function that way the company functions. And so I was like, I quit. I'm quitting. So we, so I did. What did that look like for you guys when she quit? Well, I... <clears throat> Where were you at at that point in your business and stuff? We were approaching... At that point, I would I would say we were approaching stability. Okay. We were consistently closing deals at that point. Yeah. He was pr- approaching stability in the business, but I was approaching the dip, is what we call it. Okay. And when, that's like when you leave something and it's such a big change. But I also was in mother... <laughs> hood for the you know and so why it was here already why okay. i couldn't remember why the it was here and <clears throat> and then it wasn't even a year old yet okay Mm-mm. and then i knew that it was the right decision but it was the hardest decision i ever made in my life yeah that it was, was against rough. everything you ever knew about how right. to work and how to working, make money business raising kids it's not easy yeah we had our first house. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you were in Uniontown. That's, that's, that's when our first house came together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I wanted a place to live. She could buy a house. I couldn't. So she bought a house and I followed her. <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about you so much? What? You see me start to get emotional and you always lighten the mood. I'll handle this. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'll make people laugh. I'll deflect. <laughs> yeah. It's okay that I get emotional. It, w- it was a hard time. Yeah. And so when I, th- when I think about it, I'm like, that was one of the, that was a hard time. Yeah. And nobody knows except the family, like what we actually went through. And he was just starting the business, really, like really. Like, I mean, with some momentum. Yeah. Like we could count on it consistently. Yeah. We're going to close two deals a month. And this is where, I mean, granted, this is, you know, eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago now. But like. I remember that period because it was when we would like come to your house. I was was in like freshman high school, maybe. And we would come no, you to were your, younger than that. maybe like eight, seventh, eighth yeah. grade. We would come to your house and like, instead of eating like, oh, like D's going to cook, it would be like, we're going to go get Chick-fil-A today. And that was like a big difference because yeah. we could afford to go out to eat. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember seeing that difference like in your guys's like business and how you were mm-hmm. able to afford to do more things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you did see more of it than I realized. Actually. Yeah, I was How around a lot because that? I was watching Wyatt at the time. Yeah. I was babysitting at your house like three or four days a week. Maybe I forgot three. about that. Yeah, and so I was just around observing, always seeing things, the conversations you were having, you working. Yeah. I was watching you work. As a husband, it was uh, like what she was talking about is a li- was a little confusing. Not just challenging, confusing because... As the husband, you're trying to be a provider. You're trying to be on top of everything. You know what I mean? You're trying to be, um, you're trying to be that foundation, right? You're also trying to build a business so that you can support each like your house too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, but what's interesting in that, you know, one of the ultimate goals as a husband was let's retire the wife and let's make sure she can be home, and then we can make decisions from there. That's when I really learned about what we've named the dip. Yeah. Just because the dip is when you leave your job and you think like this is my ultimate goal and then you recognize that you actually associate your self-worth with your work. So instead of feeling mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur, I'm building a business or I'm going to do all these great things, you feel unemployed, yeah. which is a huge difference in mentality. So you go through this dip in this really emotional time that you have to work out of, especially if you don't which have I a plan. Which I believe that you did that before we got together. Me? Yeah. And I, I don't. So, again, I'm weird. I don't know if I ever went through a dip. I really don't. You did. You think so? Absolutely. You did. 
subconsciously I block it out. <laughs> no, you just want to believe that you're. I don't. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't remember mine bad. because I went from like pain to pain. <laughs> it wasn't like I never had this job that I made eighty or ninety or hundred grand at. No, but that's a money thing, not a mentality. Like, mental, not a, a struggle thing. You struggled. You shared with me in the beginning, like struggling, like reading books and like, are you getting anywhere? Kind of thing. You struggled. Yeah. With that. You, it just looks different for you. It's going to look different it, it for everybody. It wasn't as drastic as mine. Mine was pretty yeah. pretty deep in the dip. I guess that makes mine just seem simple. But it's not <laughs> it's not any less of of a dip. It's not, you know, any less of the definition. Yeah, it's just less right. maybe less drastic or less emotional or Right. But I had to go through a lot of emotional healing and a lot of that's the stuff where we see a lot with our clients um <clears throat> as they're coming out of you know, that poverty mindset, the um, emotional healing and uh, mental healing from the lack of resources. It's really cool to watch you guys work together, especially when you're working with like a one-on-one client or like a group of people, because you can always, I'm pointing at Todd, Todd can always solve the business (laughs) problems and the business aspect of it. If there's a problem, you, you have a solution, you know, the next step. And you like you said earlier you don't realize there's always two sides to the coin there's always an emotional side that's going to come with it and you're always the first person to step in and be like here's what they're feeling you have to empathize with them this is what this is why they're acting the way they are making the decisions that they are right now because this is how they're feeling about it where you're able to detach your decisions from emotions yeah she had to go through the process of like she still does like like the opposite even more impressive there's actually three sides of a coin okay so you have the you have tails, you have heads, and then you have the side of the coin. Yeah. I'm pretty good with te- heads and tails. It's yeah. It's when it's on the side of the coin that she shines. Yeah. Because I'll be like, look, I handled this emotional problem, right? We're over that. Great. We're over it. Perfect. And now the, it, this is the business tactic in which you need to move this direction now and you'll get this result. And then she'll come to me and re- remind me or she'll go to that person and say, yes, you spoke about the emotional piece. Yes, that's the the tactical business move that needs to happen. But what you're forgetting is their past. Yeah, like they have to recognize and heal. It's 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 the trauma heal. Yeah, that usually is the one that will evade me because I'm I'm just ready to move on and I haven't experienced something like that. Yeah, everybody processes things at different paces, and I think it's very important. Oftentimes, your quickness to move forward is what's needed um, because people want to sit in the feelings of things. Um, But there are times where they actually just, they need to let it out. You know, they need to cry or they need to, um, you know, feel the feelings and invite God into that moment so that it can be healed. Because most of the time people are just walking around and they're wounded and they're just keep, they just keep going and that's where exhaustion and tired and run down and beat up feels like like they're just going when they haven't taken the time in those past moments you can always heal from your past you shouldn't sit in it for for forever but that's a choice that people have to make that they're ready to heal and move on okay i have a question and we're talking about the spirit of poverty when was the first time that you realized like it was in your conscious awareness like you were dealing with the spirit of poverty like you you realized like this is something that i'm gonna have to work through and you were like it's gonna be harder than i thought it was was there a moment i don't think there was a moment um i just because of what we do i see it a lot with other people okay but when I was going through my healing journey, um, a lot of like, like when we got our house or when we got a car, um, I don't see things as like such a valued import importance, yeah. but others do. And so then they associate, oh, it must be nice to have those things or it's, like I'll never literally people had said to me I'll never go to her house because it's just showboaty or whatever and they don't know what I prayed as a little girl when I lived in a house that was big 
and never felt safe. Yeah. So I prayed these prayers and I put the work in and I was willing to heal from all the yuckiness of um, bad decisions, my own bad choices, things that happened to me or things that I saw um, or experienced, um, that kind of stuff. So I was willing to put the work in. It's not easy to walk in a healed and freed space every day. It's a choice every day. Yeah, because I remember from an outside perspective, like when you guys came and saw this house for the first time, Mm -hmm. that was a big moment where I recognized it in you, Mm -hmm. that you were overcoming it Mm -hmm. because you were you were not a mess, but you were going you were having trouble with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Can you describe the feelings that you felt when you first saw the house? Was it guilt? Was it Uh, like? No. When I first saw the house, because we lived we lived in a very nice home. I love the house. Um. It was the first house that Todd and I bought together. Yeah, it, was the, it, it was your like um, it was your average. I would say like a normal house. Like it was, yeah, was twenty five hundred yeah. square foot yeah. ranch that she redid everything. She's got a great eye for design. For anybody who doesn't know, so like you can walk into anything and it not look good. She can make it look amazing. You're like, how does it feel this good? Yeah. So yeah, no, it got into that point. That house was great. It was like a three bedroom, yeah. Uh yeah, then we made it a five because we finished the basement out and everything. Yeah. yeah. So it was a three bedroom house. Like I would say it was a pretty. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's it's it nice. So. Um, what was the question? I was asking what you felt. <laughs> like, what were the, the emotions that oh. you had when you came to this house for the first time? Well, when you I first, actually, um, two of our good friends, Tommy Green and Jeremy Kuhn, uh, we sat in the car and they're like, why, why won't you get it? Why won't you get the house? Why, like, why, why won't you? And I was like, just for, I, clar- just for clarity, I wanted it. Yeah, I, Todd, I wanted Todd this. wanted like, a bigger house. All and the I stuff did not. thing is yeah. Todd. It was always on his vision board. I remember going <laughs> yeah. into your house and you always had your vision board pinned behind your desk and mm-hmm. it had the big house and then it had your car. Now it's behind you. Yeah. So it looks just like it. It actually does look just can, like it. Isn't can I grab that? that? Isn't that yeah, if you want. Well, he'll move us. Yeah, it. well, yeah, well, it, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. But, but it looks just like it. So, um,. They asked me, we were sitting in the car and it was actually after one of our events that we had had. And they're like, well, why wouldn't you? And I was like, and I, the answer that I had was because I didn't want people to know that I had money. Mm-hmm. Because if they knew that I had money, that they would look at me differently. Never- Which by, by happens. Because if happen. you look at the comments of things, but yeah. God was preparing me because I had to step out in order to be able to show people that it is possible and it doesn't make us bad human beings to have money and um or to have nice things like it's okay to have nice things like i just i was used to like we lived in rentals yeah so i was used to always having to like put work into everything to make it look nice so he says like oh you always have an eye for that i learned how to yeah i learned how to because of my mom and my dad, my dad always fixed that that house that that first house. He made it beautiful. It was the nicest house ever in the ghetto. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were they yeah. were actually both good at it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. And so I I probably got that from my parents. So. And while she was going through this, what were you thinking when we were looking? You're looking at the house. What were your thoughts? Oh, it was so simple for me. I was just sheer joy and excitement. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. Let's roll. <laughs> like, I, like it was. It was simple for me, but that's when I didn't understand or when I was beginning to understand that the spirit of poverty is like a blanket that weighs on you and you have to take it off. Yeah. Like your situation can change. Your physical situation can change. Your monetary situation can change. But if your internal situation doesn't doesn't change alongside of it, it can keep you in that same spot. And that's where people get so confused about like, I've done this, this and this, but nothing actually changed in my finances or my life. Well, it's because you're still wearing the blanket. You actually have to take the blanket off. Yeah. Did you ever have that blanket? Was there? No. No. Okay. No. That's why. That's why it can be difficult for me to. I really try to place myself in other people's shoes. I really do. Yeah. And and it's not because I grew up rich. I didn't grow up rich or anything. But I grew up in a household of opportunity. Yeah. And try new things. 
It was, you a, had it was the a positive com- environment. Like I never had, I was never in an environment that was in lack. Yeah. You had the capacity to think about those things. Yeah. The most lack like, I ever had was when I left all that and then tried to build my own thing. Yeah. So that's when I had my own, my most physical and financial lack. But mentally, I still didn't have lack. I was never in a space of, oh, I can never do it. It's just, oh, it just hasn't happened yet. I just have to keep trying. So when you went to buy the house, how long did it take you from like realizing, having that conversation to buying the house? Did that conversation just change it like a flip switch or was it something you started to overcome? I, after the conversation with our friends, um, I went into the house, I think probably two days later, I got on Zillow and the only thing that Todd ever had said to me was, it has to be a garage with like six cars and a turnaround driveway. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, okay, Lord, let me just look. I'm going to look. Like, but you have to understand, I was coming from a place where I had moved 22, like over 22 times in my life. I, and for, for, ref, for context reference with that, I've moved three. I didn't want to move <laughs> ever moved again. Once. <laughs> You've moved once now. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, everything was stable. I yeah. never wanted to move again. I was like, this is it. This is our home. We're going to live here. We're going to do our stuff. And that's it. Especially because you felt probably a sense of safety and security in that home. Yeah. I was yeah. safe. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then I looked on Zillow and I found this house and it was off the market and then it had just come back on. So they had listed it and then took it off the market. And it was a it was a turnaround and the six cars and I was like a motorcade if you will oh boy <laughs> oh boy <clears throat> so you found this house not you she found it mm-hmm. okay I thought it was you no this is the only house um, we looked at and so okay. we we would drive around in different neighborhoods and so one of the things that happened was um, we, there was another area neighborhood that we liked. Across the street, yeah. the one across the street. Yeah. So I mean, there's literally two neighborhoods yeah. that we wanted to move into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I prayed in that neighborhood. I said, "Lord, let somebody be upgraded or blessed, so that we have an opportunity to buy in this neighborhood, like when the time is right." And the person who lived in our home bought the house, and then the neighborhood our like, favorite house in the next like, and, neighborhood in the next neighborhood which that. was a yeah. which was a it was like two oh oh it was amazing and like, a it's million got dollar I, 10 or eleven thousand square foot has a bowling alley it in was it. gorgeous <sighs> yeah, oh, went, wow. and so then he went we and bought were, that one on the hill we okay. were able to buy this this house then and it was not it was scary yeah um because i was like can we handle something like this sometimes i still say this is so much, you know, this, yeah. this house is a lot of work. Um, yeah. and I'll be like, take that blanket off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's ours. The Lord blesses with it. And so it's our job to steward well, uh, what we have and continue to move forward in what he's called us to do. Yeah. Something that we talk about often is like our vision of like the house that we want. And Todd's like, I want a fortress. I want somewhere where I never have to leave. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what this house is. That's why you guys don't go out a whole lot. I mean, you go out like obviously like a normal person, but you don't, you don't leave super often. You didn't get a house so that you could like leave. Is that the same idea that you had when you were getting a house? Was it because you moved so much you wanted somewhere where you stayed? Uh, yeah, I do like traveling. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of tough to keep her planted. I, I, but that's why it's necessary um for me to say i think god challenges us in that the things that we're used to some oftentimes he wants us to do the opposite so that we learn how to get better with something um does that make sense yeah so did you guys have to make any sacrifices when you got this house in what way in any way like were there any things you had to give up to get this house mm. we had already been sacrificing we just continue yeah. to make decisions that were um, going to improve our financial life. Moving into but I do want to okay. clarify. This is just a house. Yeah. And I think it's important that people recognize that we're talking about a physical item, but it, it has nothing to do with a physical item. It has to do with what God put inside of me and what God put inside Todd. Yeah. Um, the house is just the easiest example of yeah, this. Yeah, it's just yeah. an outward example of... 
it's an easy one for people to understand and kind of yeah. take in. So when we when you were talking about mm-hmm. um, because you were scared of how people would that people would know you had money and how they would mm-hmm. treat you, mm-hmm. and you said there were some people who like were would not come to the house or anything. Like yeah, that. there were uh, times people who would they were upset or I honestly some of it I don't know to this day I probably never will understand. Um, and then there were people who really celebrated and um, was like, "Wow, this is really cool." Yeah. <clears throat> so what how did you guys manage that what was your approach to that like mentally or even outwardly like how did you navigate that situation because i'm sure there's people out here who are on the brink of like maybe having more sums of money in their lives and they're dealing with the same thing because their families could come from the same place that you did uh you have families who your family loves you first of all um most most family most families hopefully um but oftentimes like you are managing their emotions yeah like and and not that you want to but because they're not out of the mindset or you know they didn't they didn't go through the growth process that you went through or the the healing process of it of it and um or the disciplines even of it yeah um and so there was some of that. Um, also, they love you, so they're fearful for you. Um, that was that, a big factor too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they want to, and you know, some people want to see you do really well, and there are others that secretly. It just shines. Yeah, it shines. It shines a light on. It shines a light on them. Mm-hmm. You like kind of had to walk through this with her when this happened because you have always cared just a little bit less about other people's opinions. A little bit less. Yeah. So, what was your <laughs> approach to this? Like, how did you, how did you guys walk this together? My 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 approach was, if we have one shot at this, if we're gonna and and we want to focus on our enjoyment, our progress, our focus. I'm here to listen and to act in with, in line with that listening. Yeah. So if I'm being told, if I'm hearing to make a big change or go down a different path, I I can't consider what everyone else's opinion of my calling is. That's really good. So if I'm if I if I'm listening to everyone else's opinion of my calling, it's never going to be enough of a satisfaction. It's never going to be enough of a reason for their satisfaction whatever decision that I choose. Were you gonna say something? So if that's gonna be so if that's the case, I'm gonna go down this path and I'm gonna live it to the most fulfillment that I possibly can. And if, if I think something. With it. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, something that's been important, or or that's important to say is that Ta and I have done this together from the beginning. In everything, yeah. like when you're married, you're doing things together, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And so uh, that's the goal. Um, that's always been our goal and our focus. And so people who people want that because. Because it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that comes. When you come again, like when you're walking in something and you're a healthy person and then an unhealthy person gets around you it exposes the unhealthiness in them and sometimes that doesn't their reaction isn't always the best yeah um or sometimes it it exposes something in them that was been hidden for a long time um and so i don't know why i'm talking about this i just feel like it's necessary that as you're coming out of that mindset of of poverty or lack um, mindset but even in your marriage or in your 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 finances your relationships your business you're gonna like they're not always gonna say nice things about you yeah or or agree with what you're doing so when we say the spirit of poverty Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily just mean money yeah like it could be mean peace in your life. So in your, her example being, you know, moving between 17 and 22 times before the age of 25, essentially at that point. Um, I think it was more like 29. 29? Yeah. 28, 29. So 
for her, like stable or normal, like mm-hmm. the level of stability was moving all the time. Or like if there was a moment to sit in peace, the peace was more uncomfortable than the moving. Yeah. So shedding the spirit of poverty doesn't just mean, oh, well, you have a lack of money. You can have a bunch of money and have more problems. So it's right. not just about the money. It's about the understanding of the peace yeah. within you. Are there other, would you say there's other examples of the spirit of poverty that's not money or peace? That's not money what, or peace? Yeah, what other ways could people experience it? You can think about it in relationships for sure. Okay. Right? So if you could think about the person who struggles to have an ongoing relationship or the person who struggles to keep one, like it kind of hits, uh, after a year, I fall out. Why is that? Like what is what is that moment where like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bored now. It's not as exciting anymore. You get over the honeymoon phase, if you will. And then after that, you end up seeking other options like that's a mindset like you haven't developed any grit and rhythm and understanding that you can continue to grow past you know 12 months with someone yeah i also don't believe that um that's necessarily all all of that is poverty spirit there's different reasons for stuff like that um but i wanted to say something about uh the boundaries so another thing is like when you're when you're moving towards the things that god's called you to um, for the people who don't, don't align with you or don't agree with you, or they're not, um, benefiting anymore from you, they quickly fall away and it exposes their reason why they were around to begin with. And that, that is actually probably one, like probably that's a pretty difficult thing to to go through because you're like okay i made a decision to grow with these people but then god says okay now it's time to go and (laughs) go to this next phase and to see like the true intentions um behind somebody's you know reason for even having relationship i i see it all the time where people have taken advantage of us or um, Todd, I think that's an important thing is establishing healthy boundaries in business and business relationships. And to be honest, I'm still learning some of that. Um, and I think I'll continue to learn those things as we continue to grow in business. So, yeah. Would you say that like learning to overcome the spirit of poverty is an ongoing thing? You're, you're still learning that then? It's a daily thing. Okay. Any spiritual thing. thing you're coming out of is a daily um walk is it getting easier uh it gets easier to identify it doesn't make anything less painful anytime you're growing it's painful (laughs) or you're getting pruned it's painful it's not always rainbows and sunshine so yeah um it's painful but it's also really worth it because you get to see like the pain that you experience you get to see it in someone else's life like by speaking into their life, you get to see their life completely transform, um, just yielding and sharing the lessons that you've learned. So, there's a level of growth that happens once you realize that you're the value and not the money. Yeah, that's a big one. I think that's the biggest kind of tipping point that I see people with mm-hmm. is when they recognize that they're actually the value and that the money doesn't just show up because it shows up and it's just random thing. And they just wish more of it would show up when they recognize it's how they act that creates a certain result. And that result gives them the byproduct of money. That's when things get exciting to me because you can see that switch in people. Yeah. And then to my point earlier, of, Hey, there's three sides to a coin tails, heads, and then the side. That's when she's good at really recognizing the side of the coin or the, you know, like, you know, that, that ridge in the side of the coin that says, hey, they're doing the results or they're doing the actions. They recognize they're the value and they're the results. But now they have to get comfortable with being that person. They have to normalize being that person as opposed to just going back to the way that they were. They're all two steps forward, three steps back mentality. When you say value, like, what do you mean? I ask these questions and he doesn't like them, just so you know. Uh, every cut, time because i make him explain just things. every time we say yeah. something she yeah. goes what do you mean why why, why? i like to go for the we deeper, just, we just cut the podcast deeper, here. It was a good episode yeah. deeper things. 
ask your question again. What was it? So, uh, okay. well, why? in business, like when you say you're the value, not the money, like in, in, in yeah, pe- people will put the dollar above themselves. Mm-hmm. They'll see the dollar is more valuable than them. So they'll, they'll put money out or they'll, they'll spend it in a specific way, or they don't understand that if you're the value, you're the one who's actually bringing it to you through your actions. Right now it's all a blessing from God, but like you want to be in partnership with that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So you're saying that another way of, of putting it is that, you know, Jesus died for us. And so you're saying that what he did was valuable. Like that's how much he loved us. So, yeah. And that's over money. That's over anything. Yeah. That's basically what you're saying. He took that action for us. Would you say that Denise sleeping? I, I know you hate when I call you Denise. My Aunt D. So weird. When she was sleeping. <laughs> so weird. Aunt D. Yeah. Uh, sleeping in the car outside of work that she was putting the value of money above herself. You were putting for sure. the, value, yeah, for sure. the value of someone else's vision yeah. and, and profitability Absolutely. above your own. Exa- that is a great example. Exactly. Once people recognize that they can take control of that, things get really exciting. So something we didn't talk about or cover mm. and just like briefly, I, we don't need mm. to get super deep into this, but so that the people know the people, the people, um, <laughs> Todd, your like mission, your calling is to end financial suffering. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And you talk about how not every per- person's going to have like a mission statement like that. Like you're just like that came to you. What would you say that in all of this that you found called to that you felt called to or what's your calling? I am called alongside him. Okay. So I know that I am, whatever we do, I'm going to be with there with him. Okay. I'm going to be supporting him. I'm going to be, sometimes it's changing diapers. Sometimes it's talking to people on calls. Sometimes it's taking notes. Sometimes it's paying bills. Sometimes it's... Uh, mulching. Mulching. <laughs> Pulling weeds. Uh, sometimes it's finding somebody to do that for us, which I would like. <laughs> um, and so sometimes it's talking to other people. I, I, I'm called alongside to help him. That's what I know. And I have much purpose in that. And I think a lot of people downplay that and, um, in the world, like in the culture. That's what I was going to um, say. But I, the more and more that I, that we do things together, the more and more I see the value in what, in it all. Yeah. I think that there's a big, I don't want to say stigma, but like there's a negative aura that people have around like ha- you saying that your calling is to like be with him and walk with him and do it with him. Mm-hmm. There's people who, don't agree with that or they think that you need to have your own separate calling but that is your own calling it is itself that's well he wasn't there when i was fixing and painting houses and learning how to do drywall at 12 yeah yeah she's more skilled at the physical side of real estate than i am i'm able to go in and be like oh you could take down that wall and put this here and do that and he wasn't there when i was learning those things i'm I now I don't necessarily do all those things, but there are times in my life where I had to pick up a paintbrush and start painting the wall. Yeah. Or, you know, tear down walls. I mean, I literally have a picture in my in my living room of me and my dad and I'm I have a hammer knocking out walls. <laughs> like I love that picture cuz I'm yeah. like that's where I learned like how to roll up my sleeves and get get into it and get what do what needs to be done. Now, was there a time when you felt not lesser, but like insecure in that calling? Were you because other people were saying things about it? Well, most people just call me a stay-at-home mom. They have no idea what I do. Okay. Throughout the day, which is okay. I'm okay with being called that. I think it's an honor. So, um, so say the question again. I was asking if there was ever like a time where you felt an insecurity to that, like you for didn't sh- feel like you were doing for enough. sure. I remember uh, driving back from one of the events um in a car in the car and being like i don't want todd to be speaking because if if he's speaking then people ask me questions 
<laughs> I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be in the public eye. Look at I don't, you. <laughs> I know. Even this, I'm like, Lord, help me because it's by the grace of God that I'm on this podcast. I don't like. I'm. I'm. I don't need that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, there are insecurities that I have. Um, yes, it's difficult at times. People call or text him at all hours of the night, all the time. Like sometimes I just want him to be my husband. So and sorry. Not, <laughs> and not, yeah. The 4 a.m. text for me. Um, and not be constantly pulling people. on him. Like, because they want something and they want advice they want to know about a deal what do they th- what's his opinion on something uh sometimes we have those conversations where he, i'm like you have to stop and i need a break like i need family time or i need time your question about does anybody ever say anything or they don't agree with like a walking alongside someone yeah their biggest fear is being under authority okay so being under authority is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And people see that, especially in our culture today, as a weakness. When in reality, it's one of the greatest strengths that you can have is be under the right authority. I'm not saying she's under my authority. Yes. Yeah. No, but, I understand what you're but saying. My, but my point is like, ah, independent. Like you don't want to be independent. You want to be interdependent. Yeah. It's different. When you say it's different, explain. How, what the difference is. So in, independent Art. is I want to do it all on my own. I want to be, I want to be the authority. I want to be the one in charge. I want to be the one with the strength, the money, everything, the decision making. Like they think they want that responsibility. They want all the power. Which they think they do, but they really don't. That's independent. Okay. They want to do it on their own. I'm self-made. Nobody on this planet is self-made, by the way. Nobody, right? Even if you're running a high production podcast for zero dollars, right, Nolan? <laughs> thank you, no. producer Nolan. Thank you, producer Nolan. Hey, we're gonna have to get a camera for you sometime. It's it'll be in the budget next time. <laughs> so, but that's that's independent, right? I want to be self-made. Interdependent is I want to partner with God in my calling. I want to be interdependent on under an authority that is going to help me reach my maximum potential. And also with the right um, relationships, because sometimes. You're called to be under somebody else's vision. Yeah. Uh, and you're called to serve under somebody else's vision. Um, and so that's also a thing too. But that in of itself is still your own calling. Yes. Yes. Because there's no shame in that. People no. people see that as weakness. Though. Yeah. They, they think it it is, like it you're isn't. a sheep and you're just following other people. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That's why I think culture of, uh, within business like and, and having pouring into your team members and stuff like that. It's really important. It's also really important to have a safe space for calling out people. Um, like one of my favorite things in business over the past decade, one of my favorite things is to watch someone ignore her thought or idea in business or whatever it may be. Right. And then I'll, and then because they because they don't understand authority, right? Yeah. <laughs> or they or they think they want to be self-made or whatever it is. They want to be independent. I'll just repeat what she says and they'll go, that's a great idea. I'm like, that was it really. It's it, hilarious. It really happens often. <laughs> like it's like hilarious. So people many. don't realize but how business-oriented you are. I'm not even offended by it anymore. I really am not because I just recognize that they just couldn't handle it coming from my voice like it that needed to come from his voice it shows and that's their okay. weakness that's yeah. okay that's okay as long as they get what they need yep and I, that, honestly that's yeah. how i feel about it i think that's where we've grown a lot too mm-hmm. is because we have thicker skin but our hearts have softened yeah that's that's a good way of putting it yeah because it used to be like you know why didn't you just listen to her it's exactly yeah. what she just said and it would be or a thing. i would be super upset about it for like days and he'd be like why would, are you still bothered by this i'm like i don't even know yeah it's their <laughs> yeah, yeah it's their notice how you had the solution it was their problem not yours yeah yeah, yeah. now i just will go up to him and be like pss, 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 you know hey this hey, is what they go need say this this is yeah. what they need to hear but they don't want to hear it from me yeah, they, yeah it's, it's uh, gonna come better from you I think that's something too. Oftentimes, with working with spouses on our on our calls, like we'll say what their spouse is saying, but because it's coming from us, 
it's it they're gonna listen to yeah, you Yeah, but at the same time the bible says out of out of the mouth of two or three witnesses that his word would be established and so sometimes the spouse although it doesn't feel good is like the first person to say what needs to happen and then god will send the second person but if the spouse is too busy being annoyed by the spouse being the the source yeah of, just of over being the one to poke that yeah, point yeah. yeah then then they don't they miss it yeah or, you know so it's a big reason why i was so excited for you to be on the podcast elaborate People, especially men, people have problem listening to women in business. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like yeah. some of our greatest successes ever have come from her mind. So I wanted you to be on the podcast. That way people would have another, they could be under an authority, right? Even if they're older than you, but you've gone through and had different experiences. And if you share that experience, you're an authority in that experience. I actually wanted to talk to you about that. I was watching that podcast where you said about age and you're like, well, I can only speak to the people below where I'm at. That's not true. I actually That's got a actually... lot of people making fun of me because I said the 35 year olds exist. <laughs> well, <laughs> I yeah, got so many texts. <laughs> I want to say like there are is people who are willing to learn. They don't care what the vessel who the vessel is, whether it's a woman or a man or a young person or an old person. I have Wyatt teach me things. Like, Wyatt teaches me things, and I am amazed. Like, and like it, so it doesn't matter. Like, well, you guys are only this age, and you're, and you're, um, you know, helping people that are older than you. Age does not matter. Gender doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is, are they willing to learn and put to work what you're sharing with them yeah how quickly are they willing to apply that wisdom into their life um and apply it with the right heart because some people will apply your wisdom but their heart will be wrong and then they don't do well i experienced what you guys were talking about how you're like, I say something and then he says that and it's fine. I experienced that with my some of my friends where like I brought some friends around you and I will tell them something about 15 times. The second Todd says it, it's like, oh, we should totally make that change. Let's do that. That's such a good idea, guys. But you can't be offended. No, I'm not offended if by you, it. Like, and if you are offended. Because then- I do it too. Sometimes you'll tell me something. I, I know I'm aware of, I do it and I'm trying to get better about it. You'll tell me something and then he'll say it and I'll do it. But then I've noticed now that you whisper in his ear sometimes because the way things come out, the way he words things, I'm like, that was Denise. That wasn't Todd. I have to practice. Well, sometimes it's. Yeah. It's just knowing your audience, I guess. Yeah. To the point of learning from anybody. Yes. I learn a ton from Wyatt every single day. My dinosaur. My dinosaur vocabulary is unmatched, but <laughs> I learned things from Anya and she's mm-hmm. a year old. Mm-hmm. Like she'll, she'll teach, like sh- she'll be working through something and she'll teach absolute fearlessness or just the absolute mm-hmm. determination of grit. Like, you know, if she falls right back up, it's never a, you know, should I do it again? It's always straight back to whatever I was going to be doing, or I'm going to go back to the same piece of tape that's on the side of the couch. That's meant for the cats to stay off the couch. And I'm going to go back and peel it off 479 times, even though dad's pulled me off of it 478 times. Like that's true. I mean, that's a real thing. Like if you look at it from that perspective, like why did I stop doing this thing after failing at it three times? What if I tried 475 more times? That's 478, by the way. Thank you. Just keeping my math together for you. I was was doing the math in my head. We're going to have a math joke every episode. Thank you. Just for you. Um, So to wrap things up, this whole episode is kind of about the spirit of poverty. For anybody going through something similar that you went through, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. What would you say to them to encourage them in the right direction? What advice do you have for them? Can we back up one step, actually? Yeah. Can we ask how to become aware of it and then move into that? Yes. Because I am still amazed that you were aware of that. I remember the first time you told me about it. About what? About uh, essentially the spirit of poverty. You You talked about how... You sat down. I probably one day. came to you and was like, "I have the spirit of poverty." <laughs> That's probably what I did. That's li- so that is how. <laughs> yeah. You were crying a lot of the time, so that's yeah. probably how it went. I work through a lot yeah, of when tears. When the Lord is like house. touching me on something, I just cry. I can't help it, and yeah. I, you know what? I don't even care anymore. I just don't. Yeah. If I'm crying, it's probably a good thing. So you should just. 
Yeah, I got <laughs> all the time. Why will come up to me? Mom's sad. Mom's not sad. She's she's fine. It's a happy cry. She happy. Most cri- of the time, she happy it cries is a joyful. Lot. Yeah, <laughs> joyful tears. He'll just he'll just come up and put his hand on her. It's okay. <laughs> he has the the sentiment of his dad. Yeah, he's it's gonna be touch. fine. You're yeah. gonna be great. You're good. Life's gonna Mom. go on. I You're promise. Good. So how did you how would how did you become aware of it? How? Yeah. So what what happened was very similar to that. But what made me realize that it was a true thing was just from transitioning from chaos to stability to thriving like there were stages throughout of like you would operate really well in chaos mm-hmm. in the beginning like it was just normal. because the pressure was there right because that's what you were used to mm-hmm. and then we moved into stability and, and I then remem- i didn't know what to do yeah yeah i was like Wait. i was like i have to do something let me break it literally this was the conversation we, <laughs> we would just have we would be yeah. like can't you just sit down or like what is wrong with you right now like why does something have to be wrong did you know that nothing has to be wrong and that was one of the conversations mm-hmm. we had it was like oh, i've never had a situation where something wasn't wrong or i wasn't having to solve either my problem or somebody else's problem yeah yeah so we would go we'd most say, of the time somebody else's problem so then we would and see. then I could never solve my own because I was too busy solving everybody else's yeah. problem. Which is more comfortable to solve someone else's than your own. Right. Yeah. You don't have to sit in your own stuff. So then. to answer your question, which is, what would I give them? You need to s- sit alone with yourself and invite the Lord to expose in your heart the areas that you need healed or free, to, free from. Yeah. That's what I would tell them. Turn toward the pain. Turn toward yeah, like you're ask yourself questions like why, why every time I why can't I sit in peace? Why can't I sit quietly with myself? Yeah, why is it when, when it's time for me not to work, I can't stop thinking about work? Why can't I be present with my children when I come home from work? Or why can't I, like, why is that my focus? Why, why do I have to or, turn yeah. on a podcast while I'm in the shower or why do you always have watch to have YouTube noise? while I'm eating my dinner? Yeah. Turn off your TV. I would tell people stop watching TV for a week and and your phones. Put your phone down. Go hang out with friends less for a little while. Cuz some people that's all that's just it. They have to be constantly around people. Yeah. Or I mean those are just examples apply how it uh how it fits to you and and really ask ask the lord to expose those those things in your heart that need exposed uh and also be ready for his response because <laughs> and probably have your feelings hurt and not want to hear it yeah you're i mean it, it doesn't feel good but it's worth it and then and what's so good about it is that he's so merciful and so loving that he'll he'll heal those places because you asked, yeah, and you took the time to to quiet yourself and to and to, I mean, even if it's just five minutes. I have advice for the spouse. That I was about to say, mm-hmm. do you have anything? I really, for somebody I really, walking I really next do. to there, that person. I really do because this was a big moment for yeah. me. Yeah. Because it was really difficult for me in the beginning. So if you have someone that's in your life that's going through that, one, be prepared for the response. (laughs) But two, don't chase. What do you You mean by that? You cannot chase what that person's going through to like try and pick up those pieces or solve the problem for them. So I, problem solver Todd, was like chasing after her, trying to pick up the pieces and like solve these things that when in reality she needed to do it on her own. And she probably just needed your support through it. Exactly. She just needed me to be there when she said, hey, I need you here for this. That was it. I didn't need to go chase and try and solve those problems and try and be there nonstop 100% of the time. Or or try to make me laugh when I'm having an emotion. Yeah. like it, Because people don't know this. I never was a crier for most of my life. Yeah, I, n- I never had an emotion. I would never show an emotion. And I can attest to that. I'd never seen you cry. No. And then. That's why I nicknamed her the Iron Bird. And so now when I have the, when the feels come and I have the cries, I'm like, oh, I'm going to let it, let it go. Cause I need, I needed it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And for the spouse who's a, mm. 
who's experienced the 180 degree difference of that, the exact opposite of that. Yeah. You cannot chase that. So if you're trying to chase that, it's just going to exhaust you and frustrate you. And you're going to find resentment in your relationship and in yourself and in the other person as opposed to support. So all you have to do is actually while they're sitting, you sit. I think just as much as she's gaining an awareness of it, you also need to have an awareness of it, of what's happening. That's how the other person's going to learn about it. Yeah. That's how I learned about it. Yeah. I, did, I, I never went through anything like that. Yeah. I never had a, a space where things were extreme lack. I never had a space where I didn't have the ability to sit down. One of my greatest traits ever was that n- nobody was better at relaxing than me at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in that, you get to learn that through the other person. I think this was really good, and this episode's going to do a lot for people. I know you don't like being on the camera, but you're definitely going to have to come back. Mm. Yeah, see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap.